Hey, Shepherd family, I bring grace to you and peace from God our Father, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We have found ourselves in the month of December working through a sermon series that is simply titled UFC. It represents the words Ultimate Faith Club. It's kind of a variation on the UFC that is the combination of boxing, mixed martial arts, taekwondo, karate, all kinds of other stuff. But it's an opportunity for us to remember that when it comes to our Christian faith, sometimes faith is the fight. And as we make our way through the month of December, we're looking at the cast of characters that fill out the story of Christ's nativity in order to understand from them how was it that they took the fight of faith to the stuff that was antagonizing them. Last week, we looked at Zechariah and Elizabeth. We confronted with them the question of what is going on as God does miraculous things, not just in their lives, but the lives of others with whom they had contact. This week, we're going to be looking into the life of John, the cousin of Jesus, often known and referred to as John the Baptist, as he enters the fray after the birth of Jesus and prepares to baptize Jesus into his public ministry. I want to start out today by reading some select verses from John chapter 3, or I should say from Luke chapter 3 about John the Baptist. Join with me as we listen in to the way in which he brought the fight of faith against those particularly who were antagonizing him and the mission of the gospel that he was so very committed to. John went from place to place on both sides of the Jordan River, preaching that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. Isaiah had spoken of John when he said, He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare for the way of the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. The valleys will be filled, the mountains and hills made level, the curves straightened, the rough places made smooth. And then all people will see the salvation sent from God. When the crowds came to John for baptism, he said, You brood of snakes, who warned you to flee God's coming wrath? Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe, for we're descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham out of these very stones. There's certainly more to the story. You can read the long section of Luke chapter 3 and the ways in which John spoke, sometimes aggressively, often muscularly, to all the people that were gathering out with him at the Jordan River to go through or undergo his baptism of repentance. But there were no people that received John's great scorn more than the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law that went out there and stood judgmentally on the banks of the Jordan River. These are the ones with whom John took the fight of faith, and as he did so, he did so with an absolute spirit of aggressiveness that most of us are not comfortable with in Christianity today. You know, when I think of the Christian church, just to take a step back away from the text for a moment, when I think of the Christian church, I think of nice people. Christians, generally speaking, 
are seen and portrayed to be nice people. From Professor Lovejoy or Pastor Lovejoy on The Simpsons to other kinds of clerics and clergy through cinema and television programming, generally speaking, pastors, ministers, church people, and Christians are assumed to always be nice. In fact, I believe it was Jesus who said, if your enemy strikes you on one cheek, turn to him, to her, the other also. That idea that when someone is aggressive toward us, we just curl up into the fetal position and wait for the storm to pass. There is in psychology an awareness that when a threat comes our way, that there is a fight or flight reaction. Either we flee from the threat in order to remain safe, or we decide to turn into the threat and fight it head on. Christians typically are known to flee from threats or at least to ignore, minimize, and hope they just pass by or dissipate. Not so with John the Baptist. John the Baptist is a different kind of Christian. John the Baptist is the kind of Christian, the kind of minister, that instead of shirking or shrinking away from the fight, he actually turns into it. I wonder if the Pharisees, the Sadducees, were really ready to hear from John those words, you brood of vipers. Them's be fighting words, to be sure, and John was ready to take the fight to them. As we look at John's life, as we look at John's ministry, what I'd like to do today is to remind you that there are times where the fight of faith requires us to be aggressive. Not to be mean, not to be unnecessarily upsetting, but sometimes we have to put a stake in the ground, we have to draw a line in the sand, and we have to say, this is the best you're going to get from me, and if you're going to push me any farther on this matter, then we're going to have some words. I want to think about what it is that allowed John to be as aggressive as he was in this moment, to essentially jettison the words of Jesus, to turn the other cheek, and instead to fully face the threat that was before him, and to speak antagonistically against it. Let me give you a list, um, some points to consider that you may want to consider as well as you feel threatened, you feel antagonized, and you're wondering maybe is this the time where I put the stake down, draw the line in the sand, as opposed to taking flight, fleeing, and avoiding conflict. Uh, number one, John asked the question, is the cause righteous? You know, you can fight, but the cause has to justify the fight. If the cause is not righteous, if the cause is, in other words, something that's personal to you, something that is of value to you, but it is not righteous in the sight of God, then you do not have at least a biblical reason to fight. The cause has to always be righteous. John had a righteous cause. It was the most righteous cause because it was the cause of repentance in the hearts of people that God loved. And when the Pharisees and Sadducees sat in judgment over that righteous cause, John said, sorry, God gets to have his way today. 
that's the first piece. The second piece that I want to talk about is this question. Is the threat, um, is the threat more than personal or does it threaten the righteous choices of many? Let me say that again. Is the threat to you personal or does it threaten the righteous choices of many? Not only, in other words, was the cause righteous, but it was righteousness that applied to many people. John, in other words, was not just fighting against Pharisees and Sadducees that were annoying him personally. John saw that by their actions, the well-being of others was going to be um, held in question. John, in other words, was fighting not just for himself, and not even just for a righteous cause for himself. He was fighting for a righteous cause for others. He was advocating for those who might more easily than him shrink from the fight themselves. He was standing up to bullies. Sometimes you got to stand up to bullies because the well-being of other people in this world is more important than their bullying tactics. Thirdly, um, how much of you is invested in the fight? You know, when you fight a fight, when you take up a righteous cause, especially a righteous cause on behalf of others, sometimes we depend on our own strength the intensity or volume of our own voice, the size of our own physique, the um, way in which we choose vocabulary or we leverage rewards or threats. Um, so much of our fight can rest and rely on our own, our own uh, plans and plots. But I'm mindful that John knew this truth. And he says it in the Gospel of Luke, There is one, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. When he comes, he will come in such a way as to be the one who clears the threshing floor. He will mete out judgment. He will impose penalty. I will put my trust in him. I will fight as much as I can possibly fight, but I also know there is a limit to my fighting. And at some point in time, I have to give away the fight to the one who is the reason for the fighting in the first place. John trusted God, and John knew that God alone would avenge the cause of righteousness most fully. Oh, make no mistake, John was still calling those Pharisees and Sadducees a brood of vipers. He was still asking them, who told you to flee from the coming wrath? But he knew there was a coming wrath, and that gave John even greater confidence that if in this cause he might lose the fight, which we know later on in the gospel he would lose his head and be executed because the fight was no longer tolerable for those that he was accusing, John knew that even if he lost his head, God would never ever lose the war. We put our faith our confidence in that. Finally, last thing, lesson number five, the fight must always start inside of each of us before we take it to someone else. Just think about that for a second, because it's so important. The fight, any fight we take up for any righteous cause, for ourselves, for other people, the fight must start first in us 
and be resolved in us before we really have any authority to take it to somebody else on behalf of God. What does that mean? It means that before John ever got out to the Jordan River to preach a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, he himself had to go through that baptism. Before he could call anybody else to repent of their sins and antagonize their spirit through his ministry, he himself had to be spiritually antagonized by the ministry of God through someone else. Maybe his parents, maybe a teacher or a scribe or a Pharisee to whom he had entrusted his life. Before he ever yelled and called the Pharisees a brood of vipers, he had to face down his own demons, knowing that in his heart lurked lurked a serpent, a snake, a Satan, a deceiver, that if if he had his way, would take John's heart, his soul, captive. John had gone through all the necessary gates of his own spiritual journey, to be qualified for this ministry and the kind of courage and confidence it would take to call to repentance not just the, the, the rabble from Jerusalem that were gathering at the Jordan River, but the scribes, the Pharisees, the leaders, the wealthy, the well-to-do that had come from Jerusalem and sat in judgment there at the Jordan's banks. That Baptist's cry on those Jordan banks, it was not just any cry. Certainly wasn't plaintive, was aggressive, certainly wasn't morose or sad. It was muscular, resolute. He knew, he knew that this particular moment required a fight of faith that was actually a fight. And he got after it. Because he knew that this fight was ultimately worth it. The cause was righteous. The gospel of the kingdom mattered. And that's what he wanted. And that's what he already had. He had a faith that Messiah had come. That even though he didn't fully realize this yet, Jesus, his cousin, was it. He was the one to come. He should not be expecting another. John would put his faith in Jesus. And you and I are invited to do the same. So that whatever fight of faith we confront in the daily lives we lead, we know that that fight of faith is anchored to the one that God sent into this world to make the crooked places straight, the rough places plain, the valleys filled up, the mountains brought low, so that we could walk patiently, evenly, faithfully, to the cross of Jesus. This is our Advent hope. It's the wrestle that we go through when we are confronted by antagonists who will not easily step down, step aside, or step back. And Jesus has qualified us for this fight. And the most important takeaway is that he's qualified us for this fight because that fight first happened in your and my heart of hearts. Join me in prayer, would you? Heavenly Father, thank you for grace today. Thank you for the opportunity to know you as our Savior. Thank you for coming into our lives, wrestling with our sinful hearts, and making us your children once again. 
restoring us, establishing peace between us and you in spite of our sin once again through the death of Jesus. Help us this Advent season when so much is set against us to stay in the fight and to do so righteously as we have learned today from from John the Baptist. All to your kingdom's glory and the advance of it into the hearts of many others. This we ask in Jesus' name and all of God's children said, Amen. And now may the peace of God which passes all understanding may it guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, both now and forever. Amen.